This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. We are no one. We are everyone. And we are invisible. We convinced ourselves that they were gone, but they were just hibernating. They came for everybody. Oh, please. Are we safe? I guess we have ourselves a reckoning. What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Batman's Yes, We're Still Here. This is episode 188. My name is Tim, and joining me, as always, is Dane. Dane, how's it going? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's really hard getting through season eight of the office too. <laughs> um, yeah, I, don't know if, I don't know if I warned you beforehand, but I know you texted me saying, does it get better after season eight? <laughs> like I said, <laughs> season eight is probably the worst season of the office. So yeah, I, I guess without Steve Carell, you know, it, it's, they didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. It's, it seems like, and hopefully season nine is better. <laughs> yeah, I, I personally think season nine is a lot better than eight. It's not the greatest still, but I think it's a good yeah. season to wrap up the whole series on. I thought the finale was great too. Even if you weren't a big fan of the last few seasons, I think the finale wraps up everything pretty nicely. Yeah, no, am I or did I misinterpret something? Um, is is Will Ferrell's character dead? Did he die? Uh-huh. <laughs> Or I don't he, think so. I know he's because Andy said he had a line where he said, um, "No, he's not dead. It's just his brain is dead, or something." <laughs> I don't remember the line. I just remember him being taken to to an ambulance to a hospital. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't remember if they actually said that or not. But it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if that ended up being the case. <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't think James Spader was the right fit. Um, I don't know about uh, I forget her name already. Uh, the 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 British woman that takes over Andy's oh, spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wasn't a fan of her character either. Yeah, it's like like all the new characters felt I don't know just 
shoehorned in to try to mix it up and you know when try to more characters to replace one with Steve Carell and none of them can even match up to yeah. his character as Michael Scott. So, was was Will Ferrell supposed to be the um, the guy that was supposed to take over the office? Yeah, he's supposed to be the new manager. Um, no, no, I meant like was Will Ferrell himself supposed to be like signed on to the show and uh, stuff? No, and then far, he came well, up. At least as far as I know, he was just always planned for that those few episodes. He was never meant oh. to be like the main new character to take over. He was just always planned to be on that limited run there. Oh, I see. Well, hopefully, um, I think I'm on, I'm on the last episode. Um, Andy just got the prestige um, company to sign with his fake paper company. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm trying to remember hopefully. how season eight actually ends. But. Yeah. You're, you're probably close. As you said, you watched the whole Florida trip, which you weren't yeah, there. That, <laughs> but was, that was tough. <laughs> I think that was kind of after that it gets near the end of the season. So Yeah, I think I'm on episode 24. Yeah, then you're probably at the yeah. end. So are you trying to watch them all before it, le- it leaves Netflix? Oh, is it leaving Netflix? Yeah, I, f- I forget which new streaming service it's signing on to, but uh, I think it's Universal's. I forget what theirs is called, though, but it's yeah. like all the big sitcom shows are leaving Netflix in about a year or two. Oh, so. really? Oh. I mean, well, I no, I, di- I didn't even know that. So okay. <laughs> I think you still got about a year left, so you should oh, okay. be able to finish season nine in time. Man, Disney really changed the game, didn't they? It's like yeah. they decided to do their own thing, and then everybody, like, like I, I've gotten a bunch of emails about the Apple TV Plus mm-hmm, subscription and um yeah, there's H- that wb1 hbo max which we'll be talking about yeah, a little HBO bit later the show, so <laughs> there's a lot of it's the streaming wars is what it's being called so <laughs> it's definitely yeah. feeling like that and you got you know well see there's universal and then there's peacock which is nbc's so, yeah but yeah, i right. always thought nbc was owned by universal yeah they are but so maybe, well, maybe i'm getting confused <laughs> yeah because there's should be another one there's peacock there's hbo max there's disney plus apple tv plus and then i thought there was one more but maybe i could be wrong on that cbs all access there's that one but that's been out yeah. for two years now so I'm yeah yeah kind of think of the up and coming ones oh well i can guarantee you this i already paid for three years of disney plus so really <laughs> so no brainer. wow yeah. how much is that, that special they had that special D23 offer where you can get three years at a discounted price. How and, much? Uh, for three years, like, what was it? It was like 120, like between 120, 140, something like that. That's and, not bad. Yeah, I think you're, you end up saving like 30 or 40 bucks. So, oh. And I, I know I'm going to be subscribed to it for probably more than three years. So why not <laughs> get it at a cheaper <laughs> price? But. Yeah. Um, I, I really want. You see what what's gotten me the most excited, Tim. <laughs> this is kind of funny about about these the, the, the streaming wars is Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> <laughs> You're finally gonna watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I I really want to see it. I know, I know I know it's 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 not like the Clone Wars. It's not uh, sort of focused on or. It's it's not really for adults. It's more for kids. But I, I still it's kind a, it's of a good balance. It. Kind of how Clone Wars was in the beginning, 
I was more yeah geared towards the younger, but then as the season goes on, it kind of got darker and darker. Rebels is kind of the same way, I would say, too. And what was the other Star Wars show? There's Star Wars Resistance that's going on. Resistance, now. right. Now, that yeah. one is definitely skewed more towards the younger audience and hasn't quite reached the levels of Clone Wars mm-hmm. or Rebels. And that's only going to last two seasons. It's only it's already on its last one. So, oh, I mean, it's fine. It's entertaining. But like I said, it doesn't go into those deep core Star Wars <laughs> yeah. stories that Clone Wars and then later Rebels did as well. So it, it is what it is, but it's fine. That's like the 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 anime style, right? Uh, kind of. I don't yeah. think it's full-blown anime, but there's anime influence. I think you can definitely see it. Well, I, I'm getting Disney Plus for A, The Mandalorian, <laughs> and First B, and uh, Rebels. Because I, I, I don't know. It's just I've, I've always wanted to watch Rebels. I just never had Disney HD or whatever it's called, XD or whatever. So, Yeah, I think you'll definitely love it. Well, maybe not. Well, see, I don't know. You could be different because I know some people who love it more than Clone Wars. But I personally think Clone Wars is... Still has the edge over it, but it's yeah. they're pretty close. I mean, there's some episodes that are just some of the best Star Wars you're ever going to see. So, mm. yeah, you're going to like it. <laughs> and add another season of Cl- uh, Clone Wars. That's right, so, February. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a next. Or these next few months for Star Wars is going to be so so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, just a week away uh, from the Mandalorian, and then yeah. a little over a month for the Rise of Skywalker. And the and the video game, right? Yeah, that's right. Jedi Fallen Order just a few Fallen weeks later. Right. Hopefully so, that's good, you know. Um, it's getting a lot of good buzz, so it looks great yeah. graphics-wise. But I'm hearing good things about the gameplay aspect of it, too. So hopefully it all comes together for a nice, complete package of a great Star Wars game. that For a single-player Star Wars game that we haven't had in a long time. Kind of reminded me of uh, Uncharted with lightsabers. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Which was fine by me. Yeah. I don't see. I was going to ask you, but it's not out yet. But uh, you're still planning to get uh, the new Kojima game, Death Stranding, because it's yeah, the reviews I, have are surprising me <laughs> as far as it's kind of being getting mixed reviews. Yeah, yeah. I've um, I pre-ordered it, so I'm stuck with it, <laughs> <laughs> regardless. So. Um, yeah, it's uh, polarizing, I'd say. Some people really love it. Uh, I think uh, Kotaku had a really good review of it. But then some people don't like it. And I, I think IGN didn't like it. Yeah, they um, gave it a 6.5 or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, polarizing. Yeah, d- definitely curious to see where you're going to fall on it. So it comes out next week, right? Yeah. Um, and also... Uh, oh yeah, right. Um, apparently the story is really good, but the the gameplay mechanics aren't very good. So mm. I don't, yeah, maybe I shouldn't pre-order games, Tim. <laughs> Which is why I I didn't pre-order the, the the Star Wars game because I'm just gonna wait for the reviews for that one because EA uh kind of has kind of let me down with the last couple of EA games I've pre-ordered so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks <Tim. laughs> 
Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You, you you might want to get that cough looked at. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll I'll look into it. <laughs> Take some cough syrup there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, now that we've talked about streaming wars and mixed video game reviews, I guess we can get into our Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary. And we, we are going. Him. We did forget one big thing. Oh, what's that? The World Series. <laughs> that is true. Well, yeah. see, part of me was, because our last episode, that was the game that the day we recorded our last episode was the night the Yankees got eliminated. So <laughs> still not over that just yet. But sure. I got to say, the World Series, it was great to see the Nationals win. Because yeah. I was really hoping for the Astros to lose. But <laughs> also, it's Always good to see a new franchise that hasn't won before win a title. And the Nats had a great postseason, man. Just being down and out for almost, well, not the division, the NLCS, they dominated the Cardinals, but for the division series against the Dodgers and then against the Astros, they just did an unbelievable job of coming back and just not giving up when it looked like they were going to lose. So they definitely deserve this title. It was good to see. Yeah, because, you know, being stuck in the same uh hail west as the astros it was good to see them <laughs> see them not win a another world series especially with that stack team um that starting rotation yeah some of their players rub me the wrong way like alex bregman i can't stand him <laughs> yeah <laughs> conceited cocky attitude i hate his stares he gives in the dugout to the dugout cameras after every home run he hits just uh, so it was good to see him then what he did with the bat in game oh, six holding on to yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, come on so yeah. yeah it was good to see them lose but yeah man. and uh matt chapman is definitely the better third baseman <laughs> I'll, I'll agree with that too <laughs> But man, that Yankee game well, was a tough one. Jeez, they were yeah. losing, then they tie it in the top of the ninth with two no, one out. It was one out with their Astros closer, DJ LeMayu, the Yankees MVP for the whole season, hit that two run game tying home run. And you're thinking, yes, we're going to get a game seven. And then Chapman blows it right in the next inning. Like, ah, oh. <laughs> that's what made it <laughs> tough. If they just went kind of lost, you know, going into the ninth inning without rallying a comeback, it would have hurt still, but, you know, would have been easier to take <laughs> when they make a comeback like that and they blow it right away. That was ugh, yeah. heart sunk. <laughs> well, at least they they didn't win the World Series. The Nationals won the World Series. More importantly, Kurt Suzuki won a World Series. His first World Series, yeah. finally. A couple of Oakland Lays got rings. And Sean yeah. Doolittle, who oh, had the yeah. best World Series celebration ever, holding the commissioner's trophy while holding his blue lightsaber ignited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I he 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 didn't show that when he was when when he was with the A's that he was such a big Star Wars fan. So well, he didn't have very many chances to celebrate, so. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, also Sean Doolittle. Uh I know he wanted to stay um in Oakland, but I'm sure he's really glad right now. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> And, and Fernando Rodney got a ring too. <laughs> really? <laughs> After bouncing off all these teams, I mean, he's probably played on half of the Major League Baseball teams, and he's yeah. forty-two, I think. And 
I mean, he had his heyday of being a really good reliever, but these last few years, he's he makes you nervous. <laughs> I don't know how he was even on the Nationals postseason roster, but he pitched a few games in the World Series and had a few good outings. So now he has a ring. Persistence and staying with the game pays off. <laughs> yeah. Also, I didn't know um, Howie Kendrick was on was on, was on the Nationals. Yeah. yeah, I think he was there for a couple of years now. It yeah, was like, he no was there, idea. then I think he got released and came back or something like that where he came back this year. Oh, I see. But yeah, um, definitely the highlight for me was seeing Sean Doolittle with the lightsaber twice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, congratulations to all those Nationals fans. Um, it's just another disappointing season for me, too. <laughs> me too, Dean. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't like to hear that yeah. <laughs> since we made it to the ALCS, but yeah, and all that series. money that you guys have. <laughs> hey, the Yankees haven't been the highest payroll team in baseball for a while now, so people still say that, but it's just not true. The Dodgers and the Red Sox, they've been the top two for the last few years or so. Yeah, but still top five. Yeah, but just it's, I think it's nice to say that everyone points to the Yankees as being the big, bad evil empire team with the most money, but now I can't say that. I mean, they have tons of money, but they don't spend it as much as other teams do. So, Well, Tim, you got to look at it from my perspective. <laughs> that is true. Being <laughs> either the lowest, the team with the lowest payroll or the team above the team with the lowest payroll. <laughs> <laughs> it's one or the other. It's like the Yankees are either at the top or like the top three. You're at the bottom or the bottom, bottom. three. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I will say, though, I'm hoping the Yankees spend tons of money this offseason to get, get Garrett Cole. And if Strasburg opts out of his Nationals deal, go get him, too. <laughs> Let's yeah. get two big-time starting pitchers to put the Yankees over the hub. Must be nice. I mean, I don't know what that feels like <laughs> uh, to have you just, a lot of money. <laughs> come to the Yankees, Dane. I'll accept you as open arms. I won't call you a fraud, phony fan. You can join us. <laughs> Um, and all that money, brand new stadium, even though you guys didn't need one. It's not uh, new anymore, Dan. It's 10 years old. Maybe they should start oh, looking for a new stadium now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just like the Braves. The Coliseum is certainly isn't old. It's certainly it, not 60 years old. <laughs> it doesn't show its age at all. <laughs> There's no plumbing problems in those wires. <laughs> they don't play football games there. Yeah. Tim, it's the last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's one plus going to next season. When it's September baseball, you don't have to worry about seeing the football outlines on there. <laughs> yeah. It's the last year, so you'll never see that those football hash marks or whatever you call it. There'll be something else, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make it look ugly. <laughs> yeah, maybe, so maybe, Oakland will get a, maybe Oakland will get a soccer team. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, they could share the Coliseum with them. Oh man! So yeah, congrats to the Nationals for being the Astros. It was yeah. it was a fun World Series to watch, especially those last two games. Mm-hmm. But now we can get into our Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary. We are going from minute one hundred thirty six to minute one thirty seven for the two hour and sixteen minute mark. And as always, you can get your relevant media format such as your VHS tape, your Betamax tape, your laser disc your HD DVD player, your DVD player, 
your Netflix physical media disc, your Blockbuster membership subscription, and am I forgetting anything before we get to the big one? Oh, HD DVD. I got that one. My yeah, Again, well. Blu-ray is going to be on there. 4K is 4K. <laughs> now that <laughs> we're talking about a lot of stuff, sort of thing, but now I'm hearing even more. I've seen articles about 8K TVs coming out and should you get one now? It's like, uh, I don't yeah. want to be reading. <laughs> so yeah, I'm doing 4K now. Yeah, I think we should also say uh, old, old um, streaming services. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point too. What would be an old one that's not relevant anymore? I mean, Netflix um, is a big one, but they're still relevant. They're yeah, still they're still be... relevant. They still have shows. Yeah. Um, maybe those streaming services where you need a cable subscri- subscription, you need to like type in your username and password. Well, some of them like the networks have their own. Like there's HBO and any other TV. Yeah. Provided that you yeah, but HBO also has HBO Now and I guess HBO Max or whatever it's called, whenever that comes out. Yeah, it's not a, I think that one will be in the future, though. I guess maybe not quite right now as far as streaming yeah. services that are not so, relevant. So, uh, yeah, I think we should, we should also add like, uh, old-style streaming services. <laughs> Might as well join in on the fun. (laughs) But as always, the best one, your VHS to DVD converter copy, the way everything was meant to be seen. So get that ready. Get to the two-hour and 60-minute mark, and I'll give the countdown. Are you ready, Dane? Yes. Three, two, one, play. As Batman is yelling at Bane, the... Line that everyone likes to make fun of, where's the trigger? And, you know, I get it why people always like to kind of make fun of Christian Bell's voice, but I personally never really minded it. I could tell the difference between this Batman Begins voice and the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises voice that he used. And I prefer Begins, but still doesn't bother me too much. And I just like seeing a Batman yell and scream, showing his ferocity at his enemies. So I don't mind it too much. And we're gonna get the big betrayal. Are we gonna make it? Yeah. Think we're just and 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 also, really, a dumpster stops your car, your, your <laughs> truck. Just drive through that and make that turn. <laughs> uh, caught him by surprise. And we're not gonna get the big betrayal. Just oh yet. no! Batman just reveals the child of Rachel who obeyed the climb and. What's going to happen next? <laughs> I don't know, Tim. Maybe the the child of Rachel Ghoul is Batman himself. <gasps> Ooh, mind blown. <laughs> I know, right? If only I, him, Tim. If only we haven't seen the movie seven years ago. <laughs> that could have been some amazing speculation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But we'll know for sure next episode, so yeah. stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> Because we have to make sure that Bruce Wayne isn't the child of Rachel Ghoul. So you're going to want to know that answer. So just another reason to tune into our next episode in two weeks. So don't miss it. (laughs) But before we get that big revelation in a couple of weeks, we can get into our future topic for this episode, which is going to be a couple of reviews for some new 
items and TV shows, I guess you could say. But uh, we're going to be reviewing the Batman Beyond Blu-ray box set, which just came out this week. And also, we're going to be talking about the first two episodes of the Watchmen HBO series. So a couple of uh, TV series themed uh, topic for our featured uh, topic for this episode. So I'll go ahead and start off with the Batman Beyond Blu-ray box set review. And I just got it a couple of days ago. Unfortunately, it I didn't get it the day it was supposed to be released. <laughs> I got it two days later since I ordered on Amazon. I pre-ordered it right away, so I was expecting it to get it on release day. But apparently there was some shipping delay, so I had to wait a couple of days. But um, really? it was worth it. What, what, what happened? It didn't even say. It just says oh. your shipments will be scheduled to or your delivery will be made on October 31st, which was this past Thursday. So yeah. A couple of days, not too bad, but still kind of would have liked to know why <laughs> I didn't get it on release date when I pre-ordered it so soon. But for those who have seen... Oh, um, wait, Tim, before you get into that, um, like you said, this past Thursday was um, was Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see anybody dressed up as the, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker on Twitter? The only one I saw was Significance for me anyway, was D.D. Gregorius, <laughs> the yeah. Yankee shortstop, <laughs> going he, all out. He, he, looked, he looked great, yeah. Oh. <laughs> he had the full-blown makeup. He did the dance down his stair- a stairway in like an apartment <laughs> complex or something, but it was great. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. Just to see one, because everybody really liked the Heath Ledger Joker look, mm-hmm. I guess. So, Yeah, that was... Uh, Costume craze for 2008, that's for sure. Yeah, still today. Yeah. And speaking, we talked about The Office earlier. They had that great cold open where everyone was, or at least a few of the Office characters, like Creed, Kevin, uh, the Dwight dressed up as Heath Ledger Joker. Oh, they all yeah. got down at each other. <laughs> wearing the same costume. <laughs> I bet if it was still on, they'd do the same thing with Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> all of them doing the stare dance. <laughs> You, so, you know what I don't understand about uh, the office? How come they 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 all have old style flip phones? Well, it started around two thousand five, so those earlier seasons there was no iPhone, so maybe they... yeah, yeah. But like the the later seasons, like eight nine or seven eight nine. Really? See, I don't remember yeah. that. <laughs> as far as the, the slider, the slider phones, like <laughs> they're just slow to adapt, I guess. I guess I guess in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, there was an iPhone shortage or something. <laughs> <laughs> they just weren't caught up with the times just yet. <laughs> well, speaking of going back to Batman Beyond, that's something that was in, you could say about that show where they're set 50 years in the future from, you know, what it was airing, which is back 1999, 20 yeah. years ago. But, you know, it's set in the future and you see episodes where Terry still has a flip phone <laughs> and a gigantic <laughs> cell phone, <laughs> which is funny to see now. So also, they didn't, also, Watchmen. There's no cell phones in it. That's true. Yeah, not yet anyway. Yeah, that. yeah. I guess um, under Robert Redford, I guess there hasn't been any tech bubble or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> guess not. Yeah. I don't. Know, it'll be interesting to see if it has. You know, something I always loved about Batman the animated series. It was so, so retro and a throwback, but yet it had modern technology. Like oh, items there, but yeah. they're not 
full on modern <laughs> like those black and white TVs they weren't color <laughs> so stuff like that I wonder if it's going to play that balance but yeah I never noticed that plasma TVs <laughs> no also. you weren't getting that <laughs> but yeah going back to the yeah. Batman Beyond box set just go starting with the packaging it's very similar to the Batman the Animated Series box set um, so you get you know, the box that it comes in and then you open it up. I got the collector's edition, so I got that Funko Pop. It is just one Funko Pop this time, which is a Chrome edition Batman Beyond Terry outfit. It looks cool, but seeing it as silver still doesn't compare just to the normal black <laughs> Batman Beyond suit. So I haven't opened it. I think I might just keep it in the box since it is a special limited edition one. And it does look cool, though. Well, the Batman the Anime series came with three smaller Funko Pop figures, which was Joker, Harley, and Batman. So this one is a normal size Funko Pop, um, which I kind of prefer anyway. The other ones were a little too small. But like the animated series box set, it comes with these four like uh, exclusive like lithograph cards, which features the you know, artwork from the show. And they're okay. The one problem... I have with those cards is that they didn't focus. There's four of them. They don't focus on some of the bigger villains of the series. It's kind of the lower tiered ones. <laughs> I mean, there's no, uh, there's no uh, ink, there's no Blythe. So it's kind of open to see those major v- villains in there. But they focus on the like, King Cobra, and there's a Joker's in there, and the uh, the Hunter. I'm blanking on his name, but this might be the Hunter. Is it just the Hunter? <laughs> so, see, I haven't watched that episode in a long time. <laughs> The one where it's basically their version of Craven the Hunter who goes after Terry. I forget his name, but that's definitely one I'll remember when I revisit the series. Now it's on Blu-ray, but I, um, so, I'm, I'm I'm shocked, yeah, that you you don't remember something from any animated series that has to do with Batman. I know I'm failing right now. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, it's it's 20 years old now. I can't remember everything. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so the packaging is very similar to the Batman the Animated Series one, which is which is good. So, but the main thing is the visual quality, of course, of these episodes. And going into this one, I was expecting, you know, to look as great as the Batman the Animated Series remaster was. But when they announced this set, they made that reveal that not all episodes were able to be fully remastered like the animated series was. So there were going to be some that look were upscaled, but they weren't quite fully remastered. So I was really curious to see how those were going to look. Are you going to notice a big drop down in quality or not so much? So that was kind of the first thing I did <laughs> when I got the set. I uh, remember what episodes they said weren't the full HD remaster, and I went to that and compared it with other episodes. So um, the one I watched that wasn't a full remaster that was just upscaled was the episode April Moon. And right when it started... You could say, yeah, this looks good, but knowing how the animated series episodes look, I could tell a difference where it's not quite as great as the full remasters. I think the biggest difference is just how the brightness and the colors don't pop out like the full remastered ones do. And I wouldn't say it's going to be a big like distraction if you're watching one episode and the next one's just an upscale, and then the next one's a full remaster. I don't think it's going to be something that's going to you know, bother me as I watch it or notice, you know, a huge difference, but it is noticeable, but it's still a definite improvement over, of course, just the standard definition quality and the ones that are on the DVD set. It's definitely an upscale and it looks better than it ever has, but 
if you're going to do a side-by-side -side comparison of the full remaster to the upscale, you could tell a difference. So um, thankfully, it's only a handful of episodes, and some of the lesser episodes of the series are just the upscaled ones. You know, I said this before when they made the announcement. I'm really glad one of them is the episode Centuries of Last Cosmos, which is their Star Wars episode of Batman Beyond, which is the worst episode of the series and maybe one of the worst episodes of the DCAU. So <laughs> thankfully that one is one of the episodes that's not fully remastered. But man, the ones that do have that full-blown HD quality, they look fantastic. I mean, just on par with the animated series episodes, maybe even a little better in certain instances because it is a show that was made after Batman the Animated Series, so the quality is going to be a little better. It's not quite as old, but man, it, the colors, just like the animated series version, they just pop out at you and it just looks amazing. And I watched a few episodes, the first one, the first two, I should say, Rebirth, of course, had to start with the first one. And then one of my favorite episodes of Blackout, the first introduction of Ink, and that amazing sequence where she attacks the Batcave. Those episodes look fantastic. And I just can't wait to watch the whole series again. I've been wanting to revisit it for a while, and now this is the perfect opportunity to revisit this classic series and watch it like never before in glorious HD. I can't wait to see it again because um, as much as I love Batman Beyond, you know, it's it's not quite on the same level as the animated series, so I haven't watched it as many times as I rewatched the whole animated series um, as far as all the way through. So I'm looking forward to revisiting certain episodes that I haven't seen in a long time also. So that's great. And another cool bonus is that this set is bundled with Return of the Joker, the you know one of the best DC animated movies you're ever going to see. And it's the same one that came out a few years ago on Blu-ray, so it's not nothing totally different there. Um, the aspect ratio is still the same. I was hoping maybe they would have done a little remaster on that and have it be the full widescreen version of it, but it's still in the 4 by 3 aspect ratio. But it, that looks fantastic, too. And it is the uncut version. I know I was curious about which version they were going to put on here because they didn't specifically say when they made the announcement, but it's definitely the uncut version, which is the definitive version. <laughs> there really shouldn't be any other one. So that's a really cool bonus that they added in there. Just you got everything of Batman Beyond in this set which is awesome but the other thing i was really excited for with the set is the new special features that were going to be included because as you know one of the best surprises of the batman the animated series blu-ray set was that full-blown documentary about the creation of the series which blew me away as i said before when i did that review for the series um that was something i've been wanting for so long and they gave it to me in that Blu-ray set. And it was everything I could have hoped for. So I was hopeful that there would be something like that for the Batman Beyond Blu-ray set. And there are two new special features included in the set. But it isn't a full-blown documentary like the Batman the Animated Series one. So I was a little bummed with that. But they gave us something really cool in its own right in this set. So um, the first one is it's called... Nostalgic Tomorrow, a Batman gathering, which is a roundtable discussion of the cast and crew of Batman Beyond. You got Bruce Tim, you got James Tucker, you got uh, Robert Goodman, you got Glenn Murakami, I believe uh, Stan Berkowitz was there, Andrea Romano, Will Fredo as Terry, Kevin Conroy was there. So this a great gathering of a lot of the creative forces and talent behind Batman Beyond. And it was just cool to see him talk about the series for an hour. And 
it was great, but I think what would have made it even more special to me is if I didn't hear some of the stories that they said on that roundtable that they did at their Comic-Con panel, because it's great stuff. And they said, shared some things you never really knew before about the what went behind the scenes in the series. And they kind of repeated some of that stuff in the documentary or on the roundtable special feature here. But it's still cool just to hear them talk about why the series is so special and just how it came to be. And I just never get hear, tired of hearing Bruce Tim and people like Bruce Tim and James Tucker and you just die hard fans who just live and breathe this stuff for so long, just geek out and talk about the production of the series and what they were trying to do and certain things they fell into that worked really well that they weren't planning on. So just a lot of cool insight like that. So that was great. Just an hour of hearing them talk about Batman Beyond was fantastic. So that was a really cool special feature. If you just might hear some stories you've heard before, but at the same time, there's still a few little nuggets that are thrown in as well that just make for a fun discussion. So that yeah, was did, great. Did um did Bruce Tim uh, tell that story about that one reporter guy that uh, almost made him cry? <laughs> uh, he didn't get into that. I think he oh. you know tries to block that out of his memory now because that guy just annoyed him so much. That, oh yeah. you know that, he doesn't ever want to think guy, about that. That guy is annoying. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can't stand <laughs> him either. I mean, he has this deep low voice that's just irritating, probably to most people who hear him talk. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for bringing that up Dan <laughs> yeah, I always do every time yeah. something to do with Bruce Tim I have to remind you that yeah you almost made him cry <laughs> I, I should probably wear it as a badge of honor because I'm not sure how many people almost made Bruce Tim cry so <laughs> yeah. and, and what, 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 what exactly did you ask him it was about the 20th anniversary of Batman the Animated Series because I did that interview about yeah I think it was the week of like the first week of September because uh, that marked the 20th anniversary of when the first episode aired and I asked him about that he, I think he was kind of surprised about it because he didn't realize it was that long and that's where he goes oh, I'm feeling old you're going to make me cry <laughs> hey we're, I might have to do it again if I get an opportunity on the 30th anniversary <laughs> maybe I can actually get him to cry this time yeah <laughs> Uh, well, that's that's a memory I'll never forget. <laughs> yeah. But the other special feature on here is called Night Immortal. It was, it was supposed to be kind of a look back at the 80-year history of Batman and the different interpretations of the character that we've seen in the comics and movies and TV shows. And this one was a little disappointing to me because you could tell it was really something they just scrapped together <laughs> to put on this set because what's weird about it at least for me anyway as i was watching it you would see you know a bunch of different visuals comic panels movie clips from the you know all the various batman movies animated series clips the 66 tv shows and you'd hear voiceovers from you know comic writers actors um you know uh the creative forces behind the different tv shows just talking over the visuals you were seeing, you, and the, which was also cool, I would say. They even threw some sound clips from Stan Lee, which was awesome to hear. Then you get old Bob Kane audio clips. So it's stuff I've heard before, and they're just playing over visuals that you've seen a million times. And I found it weird because that's all it was for about a good portion of this special feature. Because I was expecting it to be, you know, that documentary style where you'd see visuals of movie clips or comic panels, but then they'd cut to the person they were talking to, whether it was Bruce Tim or 
Kevin Conroy or Jim Lee, but they didn't do that. You just hear the voices talking and not, they didn't even specify like who was talking at certain points. You'd have to recognize the voice to know who was speaking. And fortunate enough for me, as I've heard these, you know, talented people talk for years now, I knew who was who as they were talking, but the only one they made a special note to say who was voice you were hearing was Stan Lee and Bob Kane. And it was just, I don't know. I just found it to be something that was just put together at the last minute because it's nothing really new. They were taking some clips from old interviews and just, you know, saying stuff we've heard before, not going to too much new detail, not until the very end, like maybe the last five minutes when you actually were seeing faces of the people that you were hearing the voices of. And you did get to see Jim Lee, uh, Dan DiDio, and uh, Bruce Tim and others talk about the current state of Batman and what's next for the character. You heard Dan DiDio say that, you know, we're already planning our 2021 Batman stories and looking forward to the future of how the character can be interpreted in all these different versions that have come over the years. So it's all that same stuff. I mean, it was fine. If you've never seen a documentary like that for Batman before, I think you'd really like it and get some new insight. But for me and for anyone else who's a diehard Batman fan who's seen a bunch of documentaries on these different Blu-ray sets, you're not going to get anything too new. So, yeah. Uh, I guess the only one th- different thing about this type of documentary that is nice to see all the time now, you like there, when they talk about uh, Bob Kane, they have his name on there. It says co-creator of Batman now, <laughs> not just creator. So Bill Finger getting some love and other aspects of it too. But again, it's been a few years where that's been the case, but I don't think I've seen it before where it's just they're highlighting Bob Kane and now it says co-creator of Batman and not just, you know, creator of Batman anymore, <laughs> which is definitely great to see. So that was, I guess, one little new thing about it. So, yeah, that's the new special features, but all the other special features that were on the Blu-ray or the old DVD sets are on there, too. And there's really some good ones. The Batman Beyond DVDs had some great featurettes and interviews with, you know, the crew and the cast on the different seasons. So those are all included as well and are worth checking out again. So, yeah, just like the animated series box set, Batman Beyond, you know, follows in its footsteps very well when it comes to its Blu-ray transfer. It looks great nice packaging and some cool new special features to check out. So yeah, I definitely highly recommend getting the set. And if you've never seen Batman beyond before, this is the perfect opportunity to get invested in this awesome take on Batman, which at the time took everyone by surprise, but now it's become a staple in Batman lore and you can see it looking as great as it ever did. So yeah, definitely check it out. And with that, that's our first half of our review (laughs) section of this feature topic. Now we're going to get into our thoughts and reviews for the first two episodes of Watchmen on HBO. And we're recording this episode on Saturday, November 2nd. So the third episode is going to air tomorrow night. So by the time you're listening to this and you're watching the show, you have already seen the first three episodes. But as of right now, we're just going to be going into the first two since that's all we've seen. So... Um, I'll start off with you, Dane. You know, we were excited about this show. And once we saw the first few trailers and we're leading up to the release and we're saying how great it looks. So what did you think? We'll talk about the premiere first. What did you think of the first episode of Watchmen after you saw it? Well, before we talk about that, I, I, I should say I was I was of the opinion that 
you should just leave Alan Moore's work alone. Just, just don't, don't try to make a movie out of it. Don't try to make a TV show out of it. Don't try to make a prequel, sequel, comic out of it. Just let it be. <laughs> uh, just let Watchmen be Watchmen, the comic book. Um, just, I don't know, let From Hell just be a comic book about Jack the Ripper. Um, you know, just just don't, j- just let V for Vendetta be a comic book about V for Vendetta. <laughs> you know, uh, just don't, just leave it alone. Um, because nobody can seem to ever get it right. Well, I was so wrong about, <laughs> about that. Um, and I shouldn't, I, I should have known better because I've, I watched Damon Lindelof's previous show, The Leftovers, where he took like pretty much like just, uh, I, I, I haven't read the book, but, um, Apparently, it's not as good as the TV show. So he took that and he made it into this his own thing, and uh, it was really great. It was really good, um, and I should have known better. So, yeah, I I, I guess my big statement, Tim, <laughs> is that I was, I was I'm so glad that I was so wrong about. You should just leave out more stuff alone. That was a rare exception for you. Yeah. <laughs> and that proved to be the case, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, just a testament to how great that first episode was. I mean, yeah, I was excited for it going into it, and I'm not quite on that same level of thinking as far as leaving it all alone. I think you can do some good stuff with new stories with it, but you know, it's a hard thing to crack and to get right. So I can understand your trepidation about it, but. Just from those trailers, it looked like we're going to get something very cool and unique, but yet felt like a nice continuation of what came before with Watchmen. And that's exactly what I got with this first two episodes, I should say. I mean, right off the bat, just the premise and the setting of it. I love how it's set in our current time in 2019. And we're just seeing the effects of what happened at the end of that story in Watchmen, how, you know, it affected the course of history moving forward and up to our modern day, kind of a alternate world type thing. If, you know, the events of Watchmen really happened, what would our world today be like set in that universe and everything that went down there? And I just think it's, it felt like a natural progression of what you would see in our timeline now, or I should say in our, the year 2019 in that Watchmen timeline. And just the, the whole concept of how they're playing with, the police force and superheroes and how that works now. I find it fascinating. I think it's really cool. Just the idea that the police now are all wearing masks where you can't, you don't know who is a police officer now. And because of that incident called the white Knight that happened where the antagonists of the group or, or the series so far, um, the seventh cavalry who, you know, just that in itself, where they're all wearing the Rorschach mask, and there's, you know, these white supremacist groups. It's pretty much like the next KKK in this series. And what's fascinating about that is how I hate that they're using the Rorschach mask. One of you know my favorite character from Watchmen, but you know he was of course one of the protagonists in 
that story and a good guy, but he wasn't the most stable or, you know, not all quite your typical good hero. The well, he was a fascist, him. He was a fascist. Yeah. Uh, Rorschach was. Yeah. So, Watchmen. so it, it kind of makes sense that, you know, uh, he, he gives his journals to that. I forget the name of the newspaper. Uh, at the end of of the comic book Watchmen, and, and it would make it apparently they published it, and it would make sense that a certain type of person who believes in a certain type of thing would use that as a symbol, you know? Yeah, I mean, it makes that's the thing. Like, I hate it, but at the same time, yeah. it makes total sense. <laughs> that... Yeah, and I think that's that. That's what makes the show so great is where they sort of they they match the comic what happened in the comic so well with this new stuff. So it's like they exist in two different worlds, but they're both connected. And I, you know, I I just thought that that was really, it was was nice to see that seamless transition rather than just like, okay, well, everybody's a superhero now, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And this, you know, so you got that, side of the extreme of what they're doing with that and then they have that incident the white night where they just go into the every or they try to get every police officer's home and because that's the other thing i should mention uh the series takes place in tulsa oklahoma and they go out and just try to hunt down and exterminate a bunch of police the police force in tulsa oklahoma in their homes it was like christmas eve and they just go into that's what they got into in the second episode where you actually see that happen, where they just go and take out a bunch of police officers in their homes. And because of that, that's where now the police force are wearing these yellow masks to hide their identities. I just think that's a very interesting concept. And it just makes me think, you know, it's where if that were to happen in our real world, like how would that, the reaction be to that as far as police officers not having their identities? And you have that instance in the first episode where they even have to get permission to use deadly weapons where you had that instance where that one yeah. police officer was trying to get permission from their operator. I think it was, his name was Panda. And you later see he actually wears a panda suit. Yeah, panda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a panda mask. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also they, they, they asked for permission to be, or to record the interaction. That's under right. The police yeah. cam thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all this stuff just makes you think, you know, how that would be in our real world scenario. Would that be something better or, in this in certain cases it would be for the worst as that police officer because he had to wait so long to get permission to even use the weapon he was shot and was critically wounded so just different scenarios like that they're just fascinating to think about but the thing wasn't working the release yeah working on his gun he missed it that's the thing he has like can you do it again (laughs) then he has to try to get it so (laughs) yeah so just all this stuff that just really makes you think it i just for the tv show in the watchman world just plays out so nicely and just right. how it would be in that universe. So, and going back to, you know, the big, you know, obviously big theme of the series is, you know, uh, racial equality and the, that issue and how it's kind of shown that, you know, as you mentioned, president Redford is been mm-hmm. president for like the last 20 years. Or so, yeah. because that was one thing that was established in Watchmen where they did away with just, you know, the two term limit of a president. So, and Robert Redford has been, you know, trying to make progress as far as the world seems like a better place to live in live in you get the uh the impression of at first but then you get 
you know, the group of Southern Cavalry who are not happy with that and, you know, want to make their point and, you know, really showing that white supremacy isn't gone as much as it, you know, or it's probably improved, but yet they're trying to prove the point that it isn't and they want, they're still out there and they're going to make, you know, their point across known in a brutal way. And the fact that that plays such an important theme in the show is, I know, another thing that is timely. And that's one of those things where I've seen the series getting flack from these so-called fans. I'm getting using air quotes there saying, you know, Watchmen shouldn't be a TV show on Watchmen should have trying to be, you know, having any timely political themes in its show. It's like, have you read the Watchmen comic before? Exactly. <laughs> have you read it? Yeah. <laughs> it, it it's, it's a criticism of, you know, conservatism. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. You kind of missed the point of Watchmen there, but. Yeah, so that's another thing that... Yeah, that's also what I like about it. It's Exactly. And it's exact... They they tell you from the first scene exactly what it's going to be about. You know, it's going to be about the race, the the sort of, you know, racial politics. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they started off with that that Black Wall Street massacre thing, and then... Man, that was brutal. uh, Yeah, that was... Yeah, I wasn't expecting it to start that way. It just seeing that all play out i mean it was just making me you know angry just watching it seeing yeah. that horrible <laughs> uncomfortable yeah just go down like that this and the fact you know that that really happened just makes it even worse yeah. but yeah, yeah. It, it was a great transition too where you know the kid gets away mm-hmm. and then he sees tulsa on fire and then there's that quick trans or that that slow blend transition into current day Tulsa, and you see the the city lit lit up. Yeah, yeah, just, and and for some reason, like this, the the guy driving the truck, the white guy driving the truck, is a white supremacist, but he's listening to rap music. It's I forgot that's... about that detail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just thought that was weird. And and in the second episode, they have the. Um, the the World War One him German officer. Yep. Uh, so it's it's not those other guys. <laughs> it's a World War One German officer who makes the flyers like saying, you know, why would you fight for a country that treats you like a second class citizen? And how they how apparently that that's what that or the the guys the the kid's dad wrote that note on that paper for some yeah. reason i just thought that was the, uh, a great connection <laughs> yeah and it just makes this right away gets you invested in wanting to know what's up with this kid because he says the note just says watch over this boy yeah. and you know one of the big things that happens at the end of the first episode i guess i should maybe we should throw out a spoiler warning <laughs> if you haven't seen these two episodes yet but um it happens at the end of the episode where we see that kid again now as an older man in a wheelchair and the big, you know, cliffhanger ending about the first episode is that, um, the chief of the Tulsa police, uh, Judd Crawford was killed and he, you see him hanging from a tree and you see the the old man in the wheelchair. And, who the junior? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You, I mean, right away you knew who it was. I knew that was that kid <laughs> from the beginning. Yeah. It just, yeah. You know, the timeline just matched up. So, and you're just wondering what his story is 
is there something special about him? That's another great thing in the second episode. He was saying, oh, he's Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> he's just shape-shifting. And he could do all these oh, really? things. Yeah, I, I, I've seen people say he is the the hooded justice. No, I'm saying he he himself was yeah. saying that. Oh, I'm Doctor Manhattan. I can, oh, oh, I see. Yeah, I yeah. have the power to shapeshift. <laughs> Just playing on that aspect of doing, even though he looks like he can't do anything as an old man in a wheelchair. He was saying how he strung up the chief of police on that tree and killed him, even though it's unlikely that he did. So there's some mystery to play out with him, but. Um, it would be an interesting twist if he is the hooded justice from the Watchmen comic. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm just I'm hoping he there is some superhero background story with him, <laughs> that whether he was like part of the Minutemen at some point that we just didn't know about yet, or he you know was this other hero that you know you didn't hear too much about but tried to do good. I mean that was another great thing about the intro. You see him as a little kid just watching that movie. Yeah, of uh, I forget the character's name, but he was based off a real life person, I believe. Oh, really? Um, yeah, mm. but he was just being inspired watching that movie of you know of this hero character <laughs> and being a black hero too, which as yeah. far as a little kid was so inspiring for him too, which was you know cool to see. But then it's like we talked about, just takes such a downturn once the, oh, the massacre yeah. starts happening there. So I just think there's a fascinating story to be told with this character, and I can't wait to learn more about him, hopefully, in these future episodes. But, um, of course, <laughs> we're talking about the series. I haven't mentioned the main character yet, which is yeah. Regina King's character, Angela. Yeah. And she's Amar. fantastic. Yeah. I mean, she was... Regina King's a great actress. I was a big fan of hers in the show Southland, where she played a police officer and a detective but now she gets to be a full-blown superhero in this. <laughs> and yeah. right away, her superhero character, uh, Sister Knight, great costume. I love, you know, it has that hood. You know, I did complain about the Arrow spray paint mask <laughs> that he wore <laughs> the first two seasons. And this is what she uses for her mask, too. I mean, it looks cool. But again, I just think about if you're in a pinch and you need to get in your costume, how much longer yeah. would it take to spray <laughs> that mask on you? <laughs> so not only that, how, how does she get it so straight? Yeah, because <laughs> it looks perfect. You, you see her, yeah, you see her put it on. It's just like she just goes with the spray paint or whatever that thing is called on her face. Like you, you don't see a straight edge there, you know? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't see. I don't see you're holding up a ruler. <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> but. But apparently she, think, she she can she can do that. So it's just part of the you know skills you need to be a superhero, I guess. Yeah. To spray on that paint really straight. <laughs> but no, she just gives such a great you know versatile performance here. I mean, she plays you know the sweet mother for like adoptive children for her and her husband who is Black Manta. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. So. Uh, what's his name? Uh... It is. Uh, I'm gonna. Butcher his last name. Uh, Yaha Abdul Mateen the second, <laughs> I believe the second or third. But yeah, I have it here. Yaya Abdul Mateen two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was right on that. <laughs> Even though I probably yeah. butchered the pronunciation. <laughs> but no, and yeah, also, you... she. Uh, I, I I love the name of her fake bake shop. Uh, Tian Hanoi. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I forgot. I even forgot about that. But it's a great cover-up, though. <laughs> yeah, it's a great cover story for a superhero layer. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, her performance is really great. She, like I said, she plays a loving mother. She plays a really great, tough superhero and 
you know, when she needs to get information, she gets it by <laughs> taking that member of, you know, uh, I don't know if it's actual member of the Seventh Cavalry, I forget, but that Nixonville area where it just where most of those members probably live. She just goes yeah. in and just beats the crap out of one of them to get information. And so it's just, you know, a great versatile performance and very emotional in certain scenes too, especially in the second episode when she realizes that um, the chief of police, uh, Judd Crawford, was killed and just how she just goes in her you know, bunker with all her equipment and just screams and starts punching uh, the gates that she has in there. So just a lot of different emotions she's playing with here. She just does a great job. Yeah, and also when she finds the, I mean, we, we all find out that, um, I, I'm not going to say that 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 Judd is a clan member because mm-hmm. we don't know whose clan outfit that is. Yeah, because it's he is one. Yeah, it's, um, as I was watching, it's something like too obvious that they were setting up for him to be somebody who wasn't quite what he seems that he really was hiding something, yeah. and that makes me think that that isn't the case where that uh, KKK outfit could have been planted in there by someone somehow to make her think that. So again, a lot of, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm thinking it's his wife's one because you, you seen, she threw the, the wake for him and, uh, that, that Senator guy was there. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. And she's definitely playing it up with someone who's, you know, could be phoning in an act as far as being really, you yeah. know, sad and distraught because her husband's dead, but yet it's it's all just playing an act to, for some agenda. So that would be something that, you know, I wouldn't surprise me if that ends up being the case. But again, that's what's great about it. You have this all this information and conspiracy theories <laughs> that, you know, are probably deeper than what they're letting on right now, but it's just fun to speculate on as far as what's actually going on here because then you get the revelation at the end of the second episode that the young boy, Will, who's now the old man, is actually uh, Angela's fa- or grandfather. And they're so obviously they have this family connection, but there's going to there's more to him, of course, that we don't know, because as she's placing him under arrest for the murder of uh, Judd Crawford, this I don't know if it's an airplane, a helicopter out of nowhere, just picks up her car <laughs> like this big magnet or whatever and this lifts it up with him in it and he specifically says i have friends in high places and i guess he meant that literally because he is taken away before she's able to book him and take him to jail so he's keeping his mysteries to himself for a little while longer so just but i just like how it just has all there's these questions that you know sometimes they get answered but more arises just within these first two episodes and <laughs> so we're at the beginning of the series and they already have all these questions that i'm wondering about and i'm sure it's only gonna grow as the series goes on and as they get answered too but it's just part of the fun of watching it but yeah so those are some cool aspects of it but i do another thing i like about it is how there's the how those superheroes if you are going to be a superhero vigilante you have to work within the police force and there are some different type of superhero characters in the police force. And is is that the way you got it? Because I I sort of, I, I got it more as if you want to be a police officer, especially like a specially trained police officer, you have to wear a mask. Now, see, no, I, I took it as different because obviously you see the regular police officers in their uniforms and with their yellow masks. 
And I just think that if you wanted, you know, to be a costume vigilante, you, the rule is you could do that, but you have to work within the police force. So maybe it is a different type of Mm. level of being in the police force, but there's only a few of them. So it's not something that obviously there's a lot of police officers who are doing that. That's why I kind of think it's more that they're costume vigilantes first, but yet to do that, they have to work within the the police department. Yeah. That's how I took it. And, you know, you you also have one of the coolest characters ever created, uh, coolest looking characters ever created working for the Tulsa police. I hope Um, it's the same one I'm thinking of. Yeah. It's definitely red scare. (laughs) That, that character is my favorite character of any show I've seen in a while. Really? <laughs> uh, I just love him. Uh, he's eating that, that donut and getting the, getting the frosting <laughs> all over his mask in that first episode. Uh, he, he has one of the, he, he, he has one of the best look looking masks. It's just a red mask. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> it's definitely red scare. You, you didn't think I was I was talking about Looking Glass, did you, Tim? I I you know I should have known red scare would be right up more your alley, so yeah. I should have known better. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Looking Glass. Now that's yeah. an awesome character. <laughs> I mean, right away, just first off, that mask just looks it's simple, but yet it looks cool to me. He's like right now anyway, kind of like the Rorschach character <laughs> of this. Yeah. Of the series, he does so the far. eating thing, Tim. He does the eating thing where he just lifts up the mask halfway. Yep. So yeah, and just his like his stoic personality and attitude so far, and the, that interrogation scene was really cool. Where they're in that room, like this closed and captioned, almost looks like a, like a small spaceship in a way. They go in there, and these all these images float up around the walls, and then it reflects off his mask, and to get you know the person to. You know, there's are actually Rorschach paintings on there that actually looks like the classic Rorschach mask when it reflects off it. That looks cool, but different images to try to get, you know, the suspect to, you know, confess or reveal information as they're just showing. It's almost like subliminal mes- messages in a way. It's just a really cool effect. But yeah, I just like his character so far. I mean, there is that other, I felt, great moment in the second episode where he's talking to Angela about, you know, during the police car, he's talking about the death of the chief. And, you know, he says, I forget exactly what he says, but he says something to upset her. And she's kind of says something to him as far as like, you know, that, um, you you had dinner with him last night. Yeah. Yeah. You had dinner with Judd. Yeah. Almost implying like she is suspect or not <laughs> type right, of thing yeah. or she knows something. But then I mean, he, he's clearly questioning her. Yeah. In that in the car. So, yeah. And then she said something, said something about, you know, him not having any feelings or emotions, something to that effect. But then he just like tells, you know, you just again, I don't remember the exact phrasing, but he says like, you can't see, but, you know, I'm crying under this mask, something to that effect. And the way he says it, he, I just felt like that it was true that he felt, you know, the pain of loss for, you know, the chief, Judd Crawford, who you could tell that a lot of people respected in that police force and amongst, you know, the superhero vigilantes there, obviously, Angela's had you know the most it was the closest to him as we saw later on in the second episode after the whole white knight incident so i just like that little moment with him of showing you know a little bit of humanity and feelings there in his own way but 
yeah, his match just looks awesome. And I hope he's a character that, you know, stays good and doesn't isn't someone who's like behind this conspiracy is actually someone who's part of the Seven of Calvary or whatnot. So we'll find out with him. But he's he's a cool character to watch whenever he's on screen. But I guess the other lastly big character we haven't touched on yet, Jeremy Irons as I'll, I'm going to say as the official, it was either the HBO Twitter account or the Watchmen Twitter account when they had the cast list of the characters they were playing. It said Jeremy Irons as the character you all think he's playing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which, really? Yeah, it actually said that because they haven't said who he actually is, but it's kind of like yeah. the worst kept secret of the world where he's playing Adrian Veidt, a.k.a. Ozymandias in this series. And man, it just I just want to see what he's up to and his role he's playing in this because he's pretty much a recluse now living in this mansion with these two servants, a butler and a maid, you know, and he's, it's almost like he's sell I forget if it is like he's celebrating a birthday or an anniversary, but almost every day they bring him a cake and he blows out the candles and he's writing this play called the watchmaker son. And they're, he wants them to star in it. And we see them perform that play in the second episode. And you knew something was off with these two, his servants there. And you see him performing the two leads, which is basically the retelling of Dr. Manhattan's origin story. See him, how he forgot his watch, has to go back in that chamber, and then the accident happens. And then he actually lights up, <laughs> literally on fire, the room that his servant was in and kills him. And you think, oh, wow. But then you see another servant of his as Dr. Manhattan come down. <laughs> and then you realize that, oh, they're clones. <laughs> he has tons of these servants that he can have them do whatever and dispose of them and whenever he wants. So there's just something very fascinating about, you know, in this state 2019 after the events of what Adrian Veidt did in the Watchmen comic, what he's planning to do now or what he thinks of the world now. And if he thinks his plan succeeded. So I just can't wait to find out more about the state of Adrian Veidt in this series, but Jeremy Irons is doing a great job playing an older Adrian Veidt. I just think he fits that character perfectly, and yeah, just a great performance, and just another intriguing aspect of the show to see how um, he's going to fit into the overall story with it. So, yeah, Jeremy Irons is another great performance in the show. Also, is is he really in England? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> who knows, yeah. really? Because you don't see anybody around. Nope. It's just him and his two servants. Uh, or two servants that he lets out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I'm just wondering, like, is is he really in England or is he is he on Mars? <laughs> I know. That's, I mean, it's possible. Anything's possible. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fascinating. And another aspect of the show that I think is cool, you know how Watchmen have the Black Freighter, the story within the story, and even Doomsday Clock has has that aspect to it. And this series has its own, so far anyway, which I think is really cool where it's that documentary on, you know, the history of the costume heroes and they're starting off with the Minutemen. And that's where we get that flashback sequence. In the second episode, you see a lot of different people watching this documentary. And it's in black and white at first, but then as we're seeing it play out, it goes into color. We get a flashback of you know, Hooded Justice taking down uh, this group of robbers robbing the store. So if that's something that plays out throughout the course of this first season, I think that's going to be really cool. And just, you know, fitting in with the Watchmen theme of having, 
you know, a story within the story. But in this case, it's real history within that universe. And you're going to see it play out. And seeing the people in 2019 react to that is going to be, I think, cool to see. And just how that time period in the Watchmen history is viewed upon nowadays um, in 2019. So hopefully they do that in each episode moving forward where there's a little segment that's dealing with that documentary of, about these hooded costume characters. So that was another aspect that I really liked about it in the second episode. Yeah, and that show is called American Hero Story. And apparently it's supposed to be like, like, you know, there's that show American Horror Story. Yeah. And then American Crime Story. That's right. Um, it's supposed to be like the next iteration of that or whatever. Yeah. I just thought that was a great, a, a great little like Easter egg. Yeah, <laughs> because it just fits in, you know, something you would see nowadays if there really were history or like superheroes. <laughs> There's a yeah. long history of them in real life. We, without a question, get something like that. So yeah, just another cool aspect of it. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, and uh, like you said, we were, we're we're recording this on a Saturday, and we haven't seen episode three yet. But I'm going to go on record and say that Will Reeves is good at justice. You're making that call right now, huh? Yeah. But uh, everything with Damon Lindelof, and I know this from watching all three seasons of of um, The Leftovers, is it, it may seem one way and be the complete opposite. <laughs> or and or so, something that you you've not expected or you didn't think about at all, so yeah, yeah. That's one of the things with the series that you should expect the unexpected. I think <laughs> that's right. the best way to look about it or to think about it as you're watching it. Whatever you're thinking, that's probably not going to be the case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And be pre- be prepared for some really weird things. <laughs> yeah, that, that I mean, that'll make sense in the long run, but it won't make sense when you actually see it. Yeah. Speaking of weird things. a lot of that in the leftovers. Okay. Good to know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of weird things, I did like how there was that moment in the first episode where it started raining little squids (laughs) from showing the aftermath of what, you know, Adrian Veidt did with that fake squid monster attack. And that that... smelled so bad after. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That obviously shows you right off the bat that this is definitely a sequel to the comic and not the movie. Because <laughs> I know that was yeah. a question going into it, but you could definitely, that's you know, right there in front of you once you see that scene, knowing you know which version it's following, and that raised some speculation too, as far as is that an actual, you know, kind of a natural environmental after effect of the squid monster, or is that something that the government is doing, knowing like they know the truth. And yet they're kind of playing along as far as to keep that shroud and curtain over everyone's eyes to not share in the lie and have everything fall apart by having creating those raindrops of little squids. So I wonder if that'll be resolved at all. That's just something that's, you know, just a little thing to put in there for fans of the original comic and have them speculate on. But I thought it was a nice little touch to show, you know, it's one of those things that showing the aftermath of what happened. Even though it's not it's something that's not catastrophic, it is an inconvenience, it looks like, for a lot of people. They have that alarm that sounds off, you have to stop your car. And like you yeah. said, Dane, I'm sure it smells bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, one time I went over to my sister's house, and my 
my brother-in-law is a fisherman and mm-hmm. he caught he got a squid and he was um he, he was cleaning it and oh man that thing stank <laughs> it, it, it was it's the worst kind of stink too it's that fishy stink it's uh so yeah and i i i can't imagine a a squid storm you know of i know <laughs> of little squids all over the place but you you did see that they, they did have the, the the street sweeper squid sweeper sweeper thing <laughs> the squid sweeper <laughs> So at least they clean it up after. Yeah, at least they're prepared for it, whatever happens. Yeah. Must be really bad for your roof, though. So, man. Yeah. <laughs> that is just normal leaks. You get squids leaking through yeah. the your ceiling. <laughs> that would be Squid fun, stink. So. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I liked about it, too, just from the production aspect of it, too, just how, you know, the episode titles come out on the screen. It's in that classic watch, Watchmen font. And there's these like, you know, crazy long episode titles. Like the first one's called "It's Summer and We're Running Out of Ice," <laughs> and it pops up in different areas. It seems from the first two episodes, it's not going to be the same thing, but yeah. when it begins, it shows up in a different, uh, like a, in different scene or different item or you know. Yeah, w- just... which which makes me want to ask you is um, for for the second episode, the martial feats of Comanche. War, no horsemanship. Uh, horsemanship, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, it, it, is that supposed to be like a racist thing? Because the the whole thing is like you see it in a painting in that yeah. and Judd's house. So, like, is that supposed to be like a racist thing, or I don't know because. But that's something. If it was, would you want that yeah. painting in your house? If I mean, that's something you're trying to keep a secret. <laughs> like if, if it's all true, or he has that the KKK outfit hidden yeah. in his closet, and he has that. But I don't think yeah, so. I well, didn't. I didn't get that impression. I was watching it, but again, I don't know the yeah, cause, whole cause history I, of that painting. So yeah. I sort of got the impression that it was, and that it was left out because those people at that party were racist. Mm, well, that could be yeah. a good call too. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I just Yeah, but 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 the first episode being called "It's Summer, It's Summer, and We're Running Out of Ice" was was great because they, it's 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 the quote in the song, and the the I guess the the police chief in Oklahoma was also called Judd. Mm. So yeah, <laughs> maybe <laughs> I, I I just thought that was a great connection. <laughs> Yeah, so there's that, and then also got to mention the music, and because it's being done by Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. And, oh yeah, um, Atticus Ross. Am I saying his first yeah, name right? Atticus but, Ross. Yeah. And you know, this is probably going to make our friend and listener Mark Lemke roll his eyes and upset with me, but uh, <laughs> I've never been a Nine Inch Nails fan, and you know, but he kept raving about Trent Reznor's music, not just in Nine, yeah. Nine Inch Nails, but in the movie scores he did. But I haven't seen a movie where he did the score for it. So I wasn't too familiar with that. So Watchmen is kind of my first exposure to his music and as a composer. And man, I could see why he's won an Oscar and is regarded as a, just a great composer now because the music in Watchmen is great. Yeah. 
also if if you really like the the music in Watchmen, I would recommend you listen to the the soundtrack for um, the the Ken Burns Vietnam War <laughs> documentary. Uh, it's also really good. Okay, he did yeah. that too. Yeah, he did that one too. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So I don't think I'll ever be a Nine Inch Nails fan, but I could see myself becoming a fan of Trent Reznor as a composer. So uh, <laughs> I do have that going for me, Mark. So. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, just all in all, I think it's safe to say we're big fans of the first two episodes of Watchmen. It's so far everything I was hoping it would be as a Watchmen TV show following the events of the comics. I just think it it just feels like a natural progression to me of that story continuing up into modern times with you know the themes it's playing on and just the characters and just and also having different unique aspects to that world that we don't have in our real world, but makes you think about it that you could see actually happening, but wondering if it would be for the best of, for the worst. So just a lot of stuff that makes you think great performances, great music. Like I said, production value is really good. So all in all, I just, I'm loving the series and it's one of those shows. I just can't wait to watch every week now. So yeah, hopefully the rest of the season are as good as these first two. And from all indications, I think it's going to be, yeah, I like the um, the episode titles. Uh, it's it's summer and we're running out of ice. Martial feats of Comanche horsemanship. Uh, Looking I, on Wikipedia, got, they're all actually released. It looks like for the whole yeah, season. Yeah. She she was killed by space junk. Yeah, <laughs> if that's you don't tomorrow's. like this, write your own. Little fear of lightning. This extraordinary being, which come on, you know who's coming back in yeah. that. <laughs> um, and an almost religious awe, a god walks into a bar, see how they fly. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I, I I like the, and, and I like like how they 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 keep the, the episode titles the way it was in uh, Watchmen, the comic book, where it's just the big bold yellow yellow yeah. letters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I love this show. Uh, I was totally wrong. I'm glad to be wrong. Um, Sucks. There's only nine episodes, but <laughs> uh, but uh, every episode so far has been really, really good. Um, so much to talk about. I love the the little Easter eggs, like Tim, you mentioned the the, the squid storm. Uh, yeah, I, I I just love it, and uh, yeah, I just love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, just I mean. I know as you were saying at the beginning, Dave, how you felt they should just leave the Watchmen story alone. But for me personally, anyway, I'm getting two pretty cool sequels to that story with Doomsday Clock and now the TV show. And even though Doomsday Clock is taking longer than it was supposed to, uh, that final issue is still, you know, we got one more issue left of that story. And then uh, we got the TV show still to continue. So obviously they're not the same canon, but for me, anyway, they're still both great stories of telling you know events that could happen after that original comic so it's yeah, a i don't know maybe <laughs> maybe you should maybe you should stop that comic already i don't think just i'm gonna focus. stop with there's one issue left <laughs> <laughs> just focus on the tv show um yeah so yeah obviously we'll be talking about it more as the season goes on but yeah we're big fans of it so far well, i mean the main reason why I, I was like just leave Watchmen alone already was because of that movie, the Zack Snyder movie. 
Yeah, I know we're not in agreement on that one. Yeah, we're not in agreement, (laughs) but let's just say I'll never hear the song Hallelujah the same. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, For good reason. For good reason. Um, That was a little excessive on the on that scene. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't need to see that. But yeah, so that's our feature topic, our reviews of the Batman yeah. Beyond Blu-ray set and watch Definitely it. an odd way to end. Our, yeah. <laughs> our Honestly, there was no other way to go after that. So <laughs> <laughs> just might as well wrap it up and move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hallelujah. We'll definitely <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter, Hallelujah, it's over. <laughs> doesn't matter which version <laughs> you listen to. The Larry Cohen version or the... Uh, I forget the guy's name, right? Uh, Jeff Buckley <laughs> uh, version. It'll it'll never be the same. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Dave. That, that's yeah. awesome for you. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so moving on to again, not an easy transition. So <laughs> just gonna move right along <laughs> with our news and discussion topics and. This is going to be some more DC TV news, but future DC TV news. And this is a big one for me because I never thought this was going to happen. <laughs> so um, we were mentioning the streaming wars at the beginning of the episode and talking about how HBO Max is going to be a big competitor and probably the biggest rival to Disney Plus because they just announced their content and they have a lot. And obviously it's Warner Brothers, so you got all their library of movies and their franchises of course dc can, can, can i interrupt you really quick because i want to run my idea show for this new streaming service past you okay okay so you know how oh if there's batman in a movie we can't do a batman in a tv show if there's an arrow green arrow in a tv show we can't do a green arrow in the movie uh verse right mm. so what i'm thinking is and this has never been done before and I feel like this could definitely be a great TV show. Um, considering, you know, y- you've already done the superhero thing. You've already done the Arrow. You've already done the Flash, right? Okay. And you can't really do Batman, Wonder Woman, whoever, right? Mm-hmm. So what I'm thinking is let's do... And you have to get an actor that can commit to a TV show, right? So let me just run this past you, Tim. This is going to be a little hard for you to stomach or believe (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) But let's do an Ace the Bad Hound show, (laughs) right? I'm listening. I'm on board so far. It can be like Clone Wars. It can be a kid's show. It can also be a show for older people, right? Uh-huh. You, you, you can have Ace go on his bat adventures, taking down bat crimes or dog crimes or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, also, you, you can also ponder the philosophy of what it is, what it's like being a dog. <laughs> For the adults, right? Uh-huh. And the, the 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 sort of man's best friend sort of 
idea. You, you, you can really challenge that. Well, Dane, I love that idea, but could I be the bearer of bad news? Nobody watched the show. I understand him. I understand no. nobody watched the show. But it's, what I'm saying is I think there's an audience. Well, I'm going to be the bearer of bad news because there actually was a show kind of like that. But oh, it wasn't no. the Bad Hound. It was Crypto the Super Dog. Oh, my idea is <laughs> is is fraudulent. <laughs> he had an animated series back in, uh, I think, the mid-2000s on the kids wb and i believe ace the bad hound might have been a guest appearance on there oh so. no i'm sorry Dan, you're about 15 years too late <laughs> uh, but hey a revamp on hbo max maybe might be the idea to go so you gotta get that out there future. there might be a future tim you never yeah. know i'm looking at an image of it right now ace the bad hound was part of that show okay what was the show <laughs> called it's Crypto the Superdog. Okay, Crypto the Superdog. Wow, it was the first thing that came up. <laughs> so, see, obviously you can tell uh, this one was for young kids and lighthearted. Yeah. Maybe yours could be the dark version. Dark you know, about background, So, Like I said, you, you could get into the philosophy of a man's best friend sort of dynamic, you know? And just a toll it can take, you know, on the yeah. dog and the human, and the, the exactly. relationship yeah. that builds. You have Watchmen, right? That it gets into all these huge, you know, controversial topics, right? You can do the same thing with with Ace the Bat Hound, right? Easily, easily. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that kind of looks like a um, a Scooby Doo ripoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> it yeah. does have that vibe. <laughs> well, I will say I think that idea is better than one of the actual shows coming to HBO Max for DC. <laughs> what is that? I'll get into. So, yeah, HBO oh, Max wait, announced. Yeah. I I think I like the the title better, or the uh, I I think I like this title better. Uh, Cosmic Canine. <laughs> is Apparently, that a tagline for it or something no no it was like a I don't know what this is could, oh I, I know what this is this is a, a sort of like a compilation you, you, you remember how DC used to put out like four episodes five episodes of of I don't know the Batman on DVD uh huh yeah, not a like, set, like five dollars. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. It was called Cosmic Canine. Oh, okay. The, the, <laughs> the compilation disc. Or <laughs> well, Ace the Bad Hound could be the Cape Canine. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Tons yeah. of different avenues you can go with. The Cape Canine. Yeah, that sounds cool. That sounds cool enough. <laughs> And, and and you know they don't like to say Batman in Batman movies. Cape Canine. Yeah. <laughs> well, they say his name for the most part. <laughs> I feel, but I know what you I know what you mean. But. Or it could be a thing where like Ace the Bat Hound is his real name. That's his Bruce Wayne. It's his Clark Kent, right? So the Caped Canine could be his. His superhero his, name. His superhero name, yeah. Angela Abar is her real name. But she goes as 
Sister Knight. Right? So. You got to pitch this, Dane. I mean, <laughs> sounds like there's money waiting to be made. Uh, probably not, but <laughs> probably nobody will watch it. But believe me, there'd be an audience. Yeah. But sure. as I was saying, there's another show that I think it might be I'd probably watch over. <laughs> I watched the Ace the Bad Hell show over. So, so they announced a bunch of stuff for HBO Max, but in regards to DC, they announced three original shows that are coming. And the excitement level for me is varying, big varying degrees. So I'll start with the least exciting one for me first. So do you remember that a while ago, Dane, maybe back in 2010 or 11, that idea for an animated series of Batman and Batman villains in high school? Yes. It was like called Bat- Gotham High. Yeah. yeah. Well, looks like they're resurrecting that idea, but now it's going to be on the bigger DC universe scale. That was, that, that, that was a comic, right? For a little bit in the New 52. Was it? You know, might be right, but it wasn't the familiar characters, was. though. I think it was like new characters yeah. Yeah, set yeah. in Gotham High. You're right about that, but that old Batman idea was, you know, like teenage Bruce Wayne, teenage Joker, Penguin, all of them in high school. Right. And that that wasn't an idea that, you know, we all thought we could see why it got canceled or at least not, you know, given the green light to go to a series. But apparently those at Warner Brothers feel it's not such a bad idea that they have to leave buried because now we're getting DC superhero high. Oh. And this is actually coming from Elizabeth Banks, who's gonna be an executive really? producer out of it. Yeah. Elizabeth so, Banks? Mm-hmm. The actress? Yep. It's going to be a half-hour comedy series, it says. And the description is it follows a group of teens attending a boarding school for for gifted children. Hmm, That sounds familiar. (laughs) None of whom realize they're destined to one day join the ranks of the DC Universe's greatest heroes. So, yeah. I mean, I'd rather it be new characters maybe going... I mean, the description of teens attending a boarding school for his gifted children. I mean, I said that sounds familiar. Obviously, that screams X-Men. So <laughs> there's probably going to be something familiar with that. If it's new characters showing them adapting to their powers and gifts within a universe where there's established heroes and trying to live up to that, maybe it could be kind of cool. But at the same time, it's not totally unique. But then at the, at the same time, I wouldn't be excited either about it being younger versions of Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, and Wonder Woman in high school having superpowers but they're not developed yet and they're trying to learn and i don't know i don't not a big fan of singing or seeing these younger versions of their characters but yet their universes are interacting with younger versions of their villains and all that type of stuff just the same reason yeah. why i wasn't excited about that gotham high is the same thing i'm not excited about dc superhero high yeah and also um when was the last time specifically that you saw superman Clark Kent in high school. When was the last time specifically, Tim? Jesus, got to be Smallville, right? <laughs> exactly. TV. So yeah. they, they've already kind of done that already. I know. So I don't know. If... <laughs> I know. Those are gonna I be following. Like, that's gonna be good. <laughs> these super or these high school tropes that I'm not interested in seeing too much, especially with yeah. superhero characters. <laughs> so. I don't know. So maybe it'll turn out it's a comedy, so maybe it won't take itself too seriously and it might be fun and entertaining, but and also not you're one not the really shows. the audience. Yeah. So you're not part of the audience for that. So 
yeah, I can kind of see how you, you don't really get it. I don't get it personally either. <laughs> I, I don't think this is a good idea, but I like Elizabeth Banks, so. Yeah, well, maybe yeah, the comedy aspect no will be good, so <laughs> you never She can know. do no wrong, Tim, so. Even as Rita Repulsa in the Power Rangers movie. She was good. Yeah, I'm, she was. Uh, I'm not going to, I didn't, it's a bad movie, Tim, but. See, I wouldn't even say it's bad. I think it was didn't live up to its potential, but there was some good stuff in it that I felt they expanded more on. It could have been really good. Yeah, but Elizabeth Banks was great in it. Like she is in every single role she's in. <laughs> and as the host of the revamped Pressure Luck uh, game show that had a revival in the, this past summer. <laughs> I right. always watched that game show as a kid. and I watched the new one, too. It's always fun. Is she, is she not acting anymore? She, she, is she a... trying to get in the, like, the, the producing kind of role? I think more so. Was she, wasn't oh. she in the new Charlie's Angels that's coming out? Yeah, does she play uh, Charlie? I think so. Yeah. At least I'm just going by memory from the few times I saw the trailer. <laughs> but Yeah, but I think you're right. She is doing more producing more than acting. At least it seems that way. And game show hosting. <laughs> oh, well, good for her then. Yeah, so the second series that they announced is called Strange Adventures. And this is, at first I thought it was going to be about Adam Strange, but apparently it's going to be a series about, it's described as original DC properties will be, well, that's the you know typical introduction for these statements, but the actual series description is an anthology series of cautionary tales set in a world where superpowers exist. And what promises, or that's it for that description. Um, but I guess it's going to be different episodes focusing on different characters and I guess have it almost seems like they're doing fables type, not fables, the comic <laughs> that uh, was a fairy tale adaptive. I think like this each character is going to or each story is going to seem like a classic fable tale where, you know, there might be, you know, obviously it says the, the characters are going to learn lessons as they as we see him progress in this in these episodes. So I don't know. It seems kind of intriguing. We don't know too much about what characters exactly we're going to be focusing on. Again, if it's new characters or classic DC characters. So um, maybe we'll have to wait to find more about it until, you know, my excitement level goes one way or the other. Right now, it's just, I'm curious about it to see what I, it's actually going to be. Wasn't there a show about that? So, Not that so, I can sort of like, uh, like, uh, the, the, like, Cinderella is a real thing, or said in the. Oh, so you mean day. the actual fairy tale aspect? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Wasn't there a show? Yeah, it was called Once that? Upon a Time. Yeah, Once Upon a Time. Yeah. Right. So this is just that with. Well, that no, hat? see, I don't think it's going to be or, that. No, I was making the uh, comparison to like fables or fairy tales, where like the characters and the stories focus on, they'll like learn a lesson at the end of it, or they're like this is described as a cautionary tale. So I think they'll go through some hardships, they'll learn a lesson, and then they'll be a good message <laughs> for... See, that's another thing. I don't know if this is going to be for younger audiences or, you know, older audiences. So that's the thing. We don't know too much about it as far as what it's going to be to get an idea of to be, you know, super excited or if, you know, it's not going to be something that uh, you're the target audience, kind of like how we're saying DC Superhero High is going to be. So I just need to so, play more so... about it. Sorry, I'm confused about this. Like, I probably made it more confusing than anything. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So, so let me just get this straight. Is this going to be like 
I don't know. Superman has laser eyes, so one season of the show is going to be about don't use your laser eyes. Or how to best yeah. use your laser eye. <laughs> oh. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we don't know, yeah. but it's going to focus on characters <laughs> like Superman or Batman. I'm kind of thinking it's... Uh, I get the impression just right away it's, it's going to be focusing on new characters in because it describes as a world where superpowers exist. So maybe that's where I was talking about maybe Gotham High was going to be with new characters learning to adapt with their powers in a world where heroes and villains exist. Maybe this actually is going to be the focus of that as they're learning to cope with powers or situations that involve superheroes and supervillains. So I don't know. The description is very vague. So <laughs> I guess it's kind of hard to look into it too much one way or the other. Okay, but, I guess that's going to be a show. On wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right now, it's a wait and see. <laughs> yeah, I was here. See, I found another description. It doesn't really help, but it says it will explore close-ended morality tales about the interesting lives of mortals and superhumans. So, again, that's why I'm making that fairy tale fable comparison because the morality tales that a lot of those classic stories have it's just going to be like that but with superheroes i imagine but whether it's new superheroes or existing dc superhero that's the big question that's what i want to know about for sure but i still you're still nothing (laughs) (laughs) well here's something you don't have to be confused about but just be very very excited about this was yeah. a big one. The announcement of the day. We are Try getting be confused. A live action Green Lantern show. Who it's is Green Lantern, Tim? Well, he's a character who's kind of like the Robin Hood version of the DC superheroes. He has a bow okay. and arrow. Oh, wait. Okay. No, I'm thinking of someone else. He's oh. a character who has, you know, his sidekick is named Kato. And they drive fancy oh, cars. They made I a movie see. about it, played by yeah. Seth Rogen. Yeah, that that uh, mediocre movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, <laughs> that is not what I'm talking about. <laughs> right, the one show you've been waiting for, Tim, I'd say. Yes, well, I would say a movie again. <laughs> but remember <laughs> how DC put out that movie slate, how we're going to get the Green Lantern Corps in 2020? And we're on the cusp of 2020, and there has been no news about that. (laughs) So you could say my hopes for actually getting that movie were dwindled down to none as the years went by. 2028 (laughs) is the new date. I don't know if you heard that on the internet. (laughs) Well, thank you for clearing that up for me, Nate. Now I know when when to get excited for the next Green Lantern movie. (laughs) But no, actually... I mean, now I don't think we're going to be getting a Green Lantern movie for quite a long time because we're getting this TV show. And that might be disappointing for some, but I'm actually okay with that. Okay with that because I just want to see Green Lantern in live action again. He deserves another shot to show how he is one of the greatest superheroes ever and to be done and to be shown that on a on a widespread scale like a live action series or movie would do. It needs to be done again. <laughs> that character needs that moment to show why he's one of the best in a TV show or a movie format in live action. And with the way these TV shows are nowadays, TV shows can be, you know, just 
as engaging as movies can be. And on the budget level side of things, of course, not quite there, but we're getting to a point where it's almost, see, I, I want to say just as good in some cases, there is a big gap, but in some cases you can't even tell when, when you talk about shows like Game of Thrones and their budget now, awesome the dragons look and the battle sequences are those are movie scale quality productions and they're saying they didn't say green lantern is going to be on that level but it's being described as um you know the biggest thing they've ever done on dc tv so and that makes me excited just in itself knowing that they know what a green lantern series would need to do to be done right you can't skimp on it you can't be cheap about it and with the streaming service format like hbo max i'm hoping they can maybe get that game of thrones size budget <laughs> to do a green lantern se- series on this streaming service exclusively for it so i'm just ecstatic that green lantern is getting another chance that to be done in live action it is being developed by greg berlanti who you know played a part in the movie and that might scare some people off but that was just more of a case of too many cooks in the kitchen. So Berlanti could have been one of the ones who maybe his, most of his ideas weren't used or he was one with some of the better ideas used for the movies. I don't know, but um, he's obviously had success on TV with the DC or the CW universe with Arrow and the Flash and that whole series or that whole universe of series now. So he knows what he's doing. And I don't think this show will have that same, you know, CW quality to it. Cause I, I know my brother's kind of scared of that. You know, he's the one who's a big Green Lantern fan. <laughs> he's worried this is going to be like another CW type show, but I had to, don't have that concern at all. And especially when you look at Titans, which Berlanti is also involved in and how that's nothing like a CW show. And this Green Lantern on TV, the more I think about it, the more excited I get it, that it is going to be a TV show and not a movie because of just the stories they can do. A season can be an adaption of a particular comic arc. I mean, it's set for so long and how back when the first movie came out, how awesome it would be if it led up to a Sinestro Corps war film. And now they can do that with a TV show and have it be the length it needs to do that story right. I mean, Sinestro Corps war, Blackest Night, and just dealing with the other Lantern Corps and the emotional spectrum that give the Lanterns their power. Just so much stuff you can do in that universe. And now that they have the freedom... Oh, excuse me, getting too excited talking about it. <laughs> now that they have the freedom to tell those stories in longer formats on TV, I, it just gets me excited that they can do them justice. And I, I'm ecstatic about this news. I mean, Green Lantern is one of my all-time favorite superheroes. He's probably in my top three, <laughs> right behind Spider-Man and Batman. So, and I don't, we don't, they didn't say which Lantern they were going to use, Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Kyle Rayner. But I think they're going to use all of them. Maybe at different points of the series, uh, different characters will be introduced. But if it's successful and if it's done right and it has a long run, I think we can see all of the, the main popular Green Lanterns that have come in the comics over the years. So this is fantastic news. I was not expecting it. The last thing I was expecting was a Green Lantern TV series to be announced for HBO Max. But now that it has, I cannot be more excited for it and it's not going to be launching with the series, obviously, or the, with the service, but I think it might be a year or two away, but I'm willing to you know, wait. <laughs> I think it's going to be worth it when it finally does uh, come out. And it's hopefully it's going to be one of those shows that's going to be like the premier feature, kind of the service seller, so to speak, where this is why you're going to want to get HBO Max to see the Green Lantern series because of how awesome it looks and 
it's almost kind of be it's Mandalorian, so to speak, because that looks amazing. That looks movie quality level for the star- first ever live action Star Wars TV show. And if that could be the case with a Green Lantern live action series, then yeah, it could be that TV show that would make you want to subscribe to HBO Max. So yeah, I'm extremely excited for it. This is some of the best news we've gotten this week. So yeah, it's going to be a long wait, but I'm here for the ride to, you know, waiting to hear the announcements for it, casting, trailers, all that good stuff that's going to come in these next few years as they develop the show. I cannot wait for it, but it's going to be so fun to see this show get off into production and then finally when it premieres on HBO Max. So yeah, this was awesome news. Yeah, judging from your excitement, uh, your brother must have been bouncing off the ceiling. He was at first, but like I said, he got concerned that it's one of the same from Greg Berlanti (laughs) involved, one of the same guys involved with the movie and then the CW shows, which he's not a fan of. So, but I told him, Hey, he's, you can't be worried about that. I, he's shown that how successful he can be, even though the DT shows aren't your thing. Uh, they're obviously proven to be successful. He knows the characters. He knows how to produce, especially in the DC comics run. Like I said, with Titans and he hasn't watched that. I tell him he should, because it's great, but (laughs) uh, I try to rest his fears a little bit. And I think it's going to be something once, if it's on the production level that we're all hoping, once he gets that trailer, he's going to be all on board. <laughs> he's been waiting for Green Lantern to be done in live action again longer than I have. <laughs> or he'd probably be more anxious than I am for it. So I just he's just a little worried about who's involved with it. But I'm trying to quell his fears on that now. He should just be excited. I thought he was a fan of the, the Green Lantern movie. No, he is, but... He's, he knows that it's not what it should be and how it bombed right. and the reasons why it bombed. So, uh, I see. Um, also, uh, we we got another Star Wars trailer, Tim. I don't know if you heard about this, but oh, it, it's, it's, it's not like we did a three-hour, 45-minute <laughs> podcast about it, but um, it was great. And uh, I'm just wondering, when are we going to see uh, Carrie Russell's character? I've been a fan of Carrie Russell ever since I saw her on The Americans. And I still don't see any Carrie Russell in these trailers. I know she's wearing a mask the whole time, but where's Carrie Russell? <laughs> well, we just got that one shot of her in this last trailer where 3PO says that tearful line <laughs> of saying goodbye to his friends. He's free know, all, but... all that one shot, and there she is, but. Maybe so, you're not so, even going to see her. She could be like Boba Fett where she doesn't take her mask off. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I think that's what's going to happen. Um, but I'm just saying, I can't wait for the the Star Wars book about her character. Zori Bliss. If it's anything like that Phasma book, it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. it's just, I, I love her costume, though. That helmet. It, it reminds me of uh, uh, Tally from Mass Effect. How her kind of had that visor, that black visor look to their mask. That was like a big part of the helmet. And with the purple in her costume, it reminds me a little bit of that. But it's a cool, really cool design. And I can't wait to see her character in action. Just in that one shot, it just looked really cool. Yeah, but I think I think it's just going to be like a, oh, you need the thing? Here's the thing. Okay, bye. Yeah, it's, I know she's not going to have a thing. big role, but yeah. hopefully, you know, one or two. I'll just hope for one cool action sequence where she gets to show off her costume. Yeah. I think we just need more Carrie Russell slash Zori Bliss in our life. 
I wouldn't complain about that. (laughs) (laughs) Did you get your ticket stained? Of course I did. Oh, good. I would be disappointed if you did it. Apparently I didn't need to jump on it. Really, Um, I did because it was pretty much filmed later that night. Oh, because I'm still still seeing... um, Hold on, let me check really quick. And it's an hour earlier than normal. A six o'clock showing from, you know, the normal seven o'clock showings with all the other Star Wars movies have been. Yeah, I did a um, eight o'clock because mm, okay. I, I didn't think I could get to the theater in time. Yeah, there's still sure. tickets. There's still tickets. Maybe it's because I, I got the eight o'clock show, but yeah, it's kind of the middle, not the first, because these are the first yeah. and like the last showings that I think are the ones that fill up the most. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, I got my tickets. Tam. Who do you think <laughs> I am? What do you think? I am? I don't know. Circumstances could have been different. Got to maybe wait a little bit, but you got us. That's what's important. Yeah, it's a little over a month away, and it's God. It's going to be amazing. These, like I said at the beginning, these next two months, man, there's going to be so much fun, so much fun. Yeah, it is, Tim. Especially for you. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait to hear your 26-hour podcast. Yeah. Rise of Skywalker. It's- it's probably going to be a few episodes, I think. I mean, our last Jedi one was six hours. This is probably going to be longer. It's wrapping up the entire saga, so there's going to be a lot to talk about. So it's probably going to be multiple episodes, multiple four-hour episodes, maybe. <laughs> here is my suggestion, Tim. So this is my suggestion for a Saga Continues podcast. Let's hear it. It's going to be long. It's going to be a long, period. Right? No question, yes. <laughs> no question. So do 27 hours. <laughs> and break it up into three-hour segments, and do nine episodes. Ooh, that, <laughs> nine, that would be nine, as in there's been three trilogies of three movies. Mm. So there you go, Tim. I got it. I, I got that it. That would be pretty you. awesome, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we could pull off 27 hours of discussion, which I don't think should be too hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and definitely do it straight. 27 hours straight. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Now they're yeah, being do that. <laughs> and then you're gonna hate the Rise of Skywalker after. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, I can't talk. It's gonna be the greatest that. movie ever. I love it, but then afterward, doing that, I'm never gonna want to see it again. Yeah. <laughs> no, that'll never happen. Yeah. But I'll take well, that. Tim, I always have to remind you that almost happened with uh, the Last Jedi. I never hated it though. That's the thing. Disappointed at first, yes, yeah. but hated never. I will never say I hate a Star Wars movie. I don't never. know, Tim. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Christmas special? <laughs> See, that, that doesn't count. That's not a, a movie. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to think of bad Star Wars things. So uh, you're not going to come up with one for me, not what we got for now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, maybe right. there, oh, I should say there's some books that aren't good. So, but there's so many books. Of course, there's going to be some that you know aren't good. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Chuck Wendig ones. Yeah, those are a perfect example. <laughs> <laughs> what what is that about? It's well, it's called just, aftermath. Just a the, quick, yeah, just the a aftermath quick, of yeah. you know, the fall of the battle, the Empire, and the Battle of Endor. Pretty much the year after that, and what leads to the Battle of Jakku, where the Empire fully falls. But you're just following these annoying characters <laughs> who you don't get invested in. Mm. 
and the character the characters have nothing to do with anything in the movies. No, I mean one of them yeah. becomes friends with Wedge, but <laughs> oh, that's about it. Well, I sh- well I should say that's not the case because one of the main characters is the young teenage version of uh, Snap Wexley, J.J. Uh, Abrams' friend. What was his name? Greg Grunberg or Goomberg? Oh, that guy. Yeah, the yeah. X-wing pilot in the Force Awakens. He's yeah, like yeah. a teenager in this, and he's probably the most annoying character in the whole the whole really? trilogy of books. Yes. Oh no. So there's oh, its one big I... movie connection. Yeah, good thing I did. I I didn't buy it. Yeah, I asked you first. Yeah, you did the right decision. <laughs> Just read us Wikipedia synopsis on it. You'll be fine. Really? It's yeah. That that that. <laughs> wow. Okay. So if you really want to find out what goes on, just do that. <laughs> but yeah, the last bit of news we've got. Um, some official ca- more casting news for Matt Reeves of the Batman is that Jeffrey Wright is going to be Commissioner Gordon. I mean, this has been kind of reported on and all likely what's going to happen, but now it's officially confirmed that he is going to play Commissioner Gordon. And going to sound like a broken record here with these casting choices for the Batman. Uh, he's another actor I haven't seen a movie in, so I can't really sure. say you know how I feel as an actor, but Every have you not seen Westworld? I haven't watched Westworld, no. Okay, he's really good in that. I was gonna say that everyone's reaction to this is like extremely positive as far as all this. He's a great actor, he's gonna be a great Jim Gordon. So that alone has me excited about the casting, even though I haven't seen it or seen him in anything. And that's gonna be the theme for this movie, it seems like. I'm gonna go into it going seeing these actors play these iconic characters that I've never seen them in any other movie so that's, that can kind of be a good thing i said that about robert pattinson now even though i know he's been in some really good movies i kind of want to go into the batman seeing him as only as bruce wayne and batman not having any knowledge of any performances that he's done previously so and that might be the case for all the characters we're going to see in this film have you not seen uh hold on i'm trying to bring up the the, the batman cast <laughs> Have you not seen uh, Zoe Kravitz in anything, Tim? Nope. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Hold on. Let's see. You've not seen Jeffrey Wright in anything? No. Uh, the actor is playing the Riddler. Oh, Paul I, Dano? Yeah, I haven't seen him in anything. Unless there's something he's in I didn't know he was in. <laughs> um, wow, that's it. That's it yeah, so, so far. That's the official yeah. casting so far. So maybe there will be someone I'll know and recognize and seen them in other movies or TV shows by the time the cast rounds out. But as of right now, all the actors in the Batman, I'll just be going into going into it fresh, seeing um, them perform as actors for the first time. Have you seen a Matt Reeves movie, Tim? Yes, I have. Was it Cloverfield? No, actually, I haven't seen that. I, I want to see the Cloverfield movies. I've heard they're they're good. That last one isn't very good. To. The Netflix one isn't very good. That's what I've heard, though. But I know, yeah. uh, was it 10 Cloverfield Lane? I heard that one's supposed to be the Oh, best. yeah, that, that one was really good. He didn't direct that, though. Yeah, he just did the first yeah. one, right? Yeah. I think the only Matt Reeves movies I've seen were the two Planet of the Apes ones, which are good enough for me to know that he's a yeah. great director, because both of those are great. See, the thing about those, those new Planet of the Apes movies is... It's really, it's super forgettable. 
Oh, really? I don't think so at all. <laughs> Especially yeah, the second I mean, they're, one. They're, oh, that one. they're great movies, but I just can't remember anything. I just know <laughs> Carrie Russell was in the second one. Yeah, see, you said you want more Carrie Russell. Revisit that Planet of the Apes movie because it's fantastic. <laughs> and Carrie Russell's like it. Yeah, yeah that's true. So, yeah, that's a little bit of news we got really these last two weeks. And with that, we can get into our one comic book review that I have for this episode, which is going to be Batman number 81. And as always, got to about the spoiler warning out there. But um, anyone who's probably listening to this who is keeping up with the comics has probably read it a while ago because I am still kind of catching up. <laughs> I am catching up uh, with the City of Bane story and I, I this one's about two weeks old now, so two or three weeks old. So I am up to date, and hopefully I can stay that way <laughs> until this arc is over. But um, our rating scale, what should our rating scale be, Dane? And this Mandalorian show looks so cool. <laughs> okay, I, I, I one out of five. Image. How the Mandalorian show looks really cool. <laughs> I just saw an image of the the costume. That looks really cool. Oh, yes, um, <laughs> our rating scale for this episode is going to be hmm. okay so our rating scale if you can't think of one name I got one <laughs> actors that have been cast in the Batman that Tim has never seen in any movie or TV show before which, which is all of them yes <laughs> but we'll see how many of them rank in this issue of Batman yeah so yeah, like I said, catching up with the City of Bane arc. And I'm just going to come out and say it. I think this has been a massive disappointment, <laughs> this whole City of Bane really? story arc. I mean, we're on part seven of it now. And there's been a lot of mediocre more than great. There's some cool moments mixed in with these past seven issues. But uh, nothing, it just hasn't been what I thought it is. And especially with this issue, a lot of it that gets revealed has been disappointing to me and almost kind of eye rolling, so to speak. So right off the bat, you know, the big thing that happened a while ago was the death of Alfred and Damien was captured by Thomas Wayne and he still hasn't captured. And that's where this issue begins. But Damien's able to escape. They're in the Batcave and he was able to bring in the rest of the Bat family. You got Batwoman, Orphan, you got Huntress, you got Duke there. And I'm forgetting if Duke ever got an official superhero name i know he's a character who kind of pops up now and then in the main batman titles but maybe in some other storylines they reveal what his superhero name was i just can't remember it so since i haven't read much with him but he's there Batgirl's there and obviously tim drake as red robin still in his classic red robin costume though so <laughs> but so they're going to take on thomas wayne and then you got batman and catwoman trying to infiltrate arkham and this is where they start having monologues where batman reveals kind of what's been going down this whole time and this is where makes me roll my eyes a little bit where a lot of it what bane did to batman broke him physically and emotionally again um batman kind of reveals that he let him do it and he was all part of his plan and we know that's something how you know batman's usually one or two steps ahead of everyone and he's done this before, and most of the times, you know, it fits with his character, and that's what makes him great. But I don't know, for whatever reason, this one, it just sounded like an easy way out. Like, oh, really? All all the emotional stuff that we've seen Batman go through, these most of Tom King's run, especially recently in the last year or two, has all been one, oh, this was just all part of my plan. I let 
allowed Bane to break me, and I wanted him to see me broken so I can discover a way to defeat him on the outside. That's what Batman says in this. And first off, this, having Batman be broken again, that was borderline, you know, on the retread of what happened in Nightfall, obviously. But if you did certain things differently enough, it wouldn't feel that way, which I, for the most part, I thought Tom King did, throwing all this other emotional stuff in there. But at the same time, when I read this, that it was all kind of mainly part of Batman's plan. I was like, uh, so all that emotional journey he went on, he was, I don't want to say it was kind of for nothing, but it just doesn't have the same effect as, as if he was really going through it, not expecting it. And it was such a shock that he was defeated this way, but yet it was something that was all part of his plan. So that was kind of really my big disappointment with this whole story arc now and how the final part of Bruce's plan to defeat Bane is obviously going to come in these next few final issues. But just that big revelation there, I wasn't a fan of. Then it gets revealed that the whole real point of this is that, you know, old thing was Gotham, was Gotham girl and her brother. Um, it's revealed that what gave them their powers was a really rare but extremely strong form of new venom, which, you know, what Bane created. And Batman uh, got the last vial of it and he kept it hidden. Um, which was in the memory of the mountain where we saw him uh, get beat up by these muggers and then found by Selena before she nursed him back to health um, after he got out of that pit with his father because um, he kept it there for safekeeping, but then uh, Bane got it back. And so kind of put a wrench in Batman's plan. And so that's kind of the main thing where they're trying to get after as far as stopping Bane and taking him down from using... See, I don't remember actually if that he I know he has the formula, but if he used it again on something else on Gotham Girl or not. So um, we'll see if that gets resolved or if I'm just not remembering it right, because <laughs> there might be some stuff since I wasn't a huge fan of this issue. Certain details I'm not remembering quite right, but I know that was the gist of it of what Batman really wanted to do was keep that, you know, last vial of that rare form of venom out of Bane's hands. But he did get it back. So um, I know. The, it looks what happens with Thomas Wayne fighting the Bat family. They take him down because they're upset, obviously, what happened with Alfred. Um, but um, it looks like they get the better of him. But then they start explaining to him what, how they were going to go about this fight, how you know they were going to let tell Bruce what he did, you know, to push him forward to really take down Thomas Wayne and Bane for what they did to Alfred, or if they want to get their shots in first to take down Thomas Wayne for what he did to Alfred, and they voted that they were going to take him down themselves. But once they explained that to Thomas Wayne, he gets back up on his feet and just starts taking them all out pretty easily one by one. It was a pretty cool action sequence throughout this issue, I will say. Thomas Wayne, uh, you know, dodging their attacks, you know, Huntress's arrows, he, he catches, he stabs it into Tim Drake. It's a pretty brutal fight. He, just when you thought the Bat family had the upper hand on him, he shows why he's, you know a very dangerous Batman <laughs> and is able to take them all out. And another reveal that we get again, that's making me kind of roll my eyes is how the whole thing. And this goes back to the whole thing of Alfred really being dead actually happened now, because I was kind of confused on how it was explained if they definitively said that Alfred is not dead or not, because Batman explains that he reached out to his family. He goes, um, once Gotham girl was weakening, of the venom, you know, he that's when he can move in. And he says, um, Alfred escaped um, from Thomas Wayne, and that created a need for a hostage. And then he planned for Damien to play the fool and to get captured on purpose. And once he was in the cave, he was able to, 
you know, infiltrate to get the rest of the Bat family members in to take down Thomas Wayne while he, by Batman and Catwoman, take down Bane. So he kind of made it says where um, he said that Alfred escaped his father, meaning that he survived, but yet we never saw him escape. Then who was that who Bane snapped the neck of? Was it has something to do with Psycho Pirate? It's still not totally clear if Alfred, you know, if that really was Alfred, but the way Bruce was talking throughout that monologue, it made it sound like it was all part of his plan. So it almost seems like that death is just a fake out and a red herring, and we're not going to see the aftermath of how Bruce's reaction would be to that. So I'm not 100% sure on if, you know, Bruce does know that Alfred did really die or if that was just part of his plan. So I guess we'll find that out later too. And then um, there was another, oh yeah, the other big reveal was that, uh, as we know, Gotham's being run by the villains in the city of Bane and how the different villains are acting as detectives and police officers. And one of the ones that I didn't really buy as going along with this was the Joker being the Riddler's partner as detectives. Because I don't think Joker would go along with, you know, anyone's plan other than his. So unless it was for his own agenda. And we get the revelation that that wasn't the Joker. It was actually Basil Carlo as Clayface. And that was the one revelation I did like, actually. It was good to see Clayface back in the mix because he was such a great character in the Detective Comics run when Rebirth first started by James Tynan. So to see him back here and masquerading as the Joker, I thought that was a nice touch because I didn't like that idea of Joker kind of playing along with Bane's rules unless he had his own plan or agenda mixed in. So the fact that that wasn't the Joker, I thought was a good reveal. So the issue ends with Batman and Catwoman about to confront Bane and Thomas Wayne defeating the rest of the Bat family again in brutal fashion. I just loved how the last bit of that fight is him smashing through the wall, the clock in the wall that leads to the Batcave and just casually takes off his mask and just asks for his now current butler, Arnold Wesker, for some tea and just totally confused on why Batman has brought in all, all these people to fight for him as the Bat family. So uh, he, uh, the last bit of dialogue he says, you know, I keep forgetting, you know, that he's my boy, but yet I am Batman. So obviously there's more to do with Thomas Wayne, Batman and Catwoman stuff to face off against Bane. But oh, I'm just not excited about it, to be honest with you. I'm just ready for this story arc and just Tom, Tom King's run in general to be over. It's When I look back, and I'll probably do a whole review of this arc and maybe his run, there's a lot of ups and downs, some highs, but some extremely lows to it too. And this one was kind of more on the low front of it. So just some of the revelations that were revealed here, I just wasn't a fan of. So um, overall, I'm going to give it two and a half out of five actors that have been cast in the Batman that I have never seen before in any movies or TV shows. So not too many with this issue, which is a good thing for the movie, but a bad thing for my enjoyment of this comic. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, is that bad? Yeah, it depends on how you look at it. Uh, I guess. So, yeah, that's it for the one comic I was able to get to the last few weeks. But as always, I'll throw it to Dane for the outro. All right, just go to BatmanUniverse.net, Facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse, Twitter handles at BatmanUniverse, the show's Twitter handles at BatfansPodcast, Tim's Twitter handles at TimG311, my Twitter handles at DaneSaysBanana, uh, rate and review us on iTunes, and if you want to email the show, you can email the show at BatfansWithoutPants at gmail.com. So with that, like we say at the end of every single episode, Tim. Look, each and every one of you was all of our bat and squid rainfall hearts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Bye.
you next time, everybody. <laughs>